All right, we're going to dive right into today's episode. We have Greg Garza and Mike Parkhurst, founders of Beyond Goals Mentoring, both uh, formerly played in the MLS and are both all-stars. They played for a combined over 25 years in the league, and today they help a wide range of clients navigate through the various chapters in their careers. We're super excited to have you guys on. I noted this in our kind of preliminary combo, but um, this is our first remote interview, and we're just both, Nico and I, looking forward to um, diving into what you guys are doing now and kind of hearing a little bit of how you got to where you both are today. So, Nico, I'll let you kind of kick things off. Greg and Mike, thanks again for hopping on. We're, we're super pumped to have you uh, share your story. So we'll, we'll kind of kick things off, right, with Atlanta changed MLS culture. Uh, you guys were on the team that sold out every single game in their inaugural season. What are some of your best memories from your playing career in Atlanta? Uh, we asked our followers on IG for a couple of extra questions um, and had a couple and uh, we kind of wanted to know what your favorite memories were playing in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I'll say, you know, everyone usually tells you to expect the unexpected, right? Um, you know, I think for all of us that that signed on to Atlanta United's project in the very beginning had absolutely no idea it was going to be as massive as it, as it was. Um, I even say before the Mercedes-Benz, but even just playing in the Bobby Dodd, uh, playing at Georgia Tech Stadium and, and, and realizing that... Uh, Something great was uh, being created from the very first game against the Red Bull. Uh, I believe it was in March, if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, you know, I think for all of us, just just experiencing that, uh, coming from all over different places of the world, culture shocks taking place within the locker room, but um, just understanding uh, the the response and I guess the weight of Atlanteans to have their first, uh, you know, major MLS team was, was something uh, – a lot bigger than than all of us put together. Yeah, just piggyback on and thanks for having us on. We're we're happy and excited to be here with you guys today. And yeah, it was um, you know, for me, you know, I started in New England in 2005 and so I kind of saw MLS kind of 1.0 to MLS 3.0. And I think, you know, Austin LAFC uh, now even St. Louis have, have even taken it maybe to 4.0. Um, but yeah, I do think that kind of Atlanta was, you know, one of those organizations and cultures that kind of really put MLS to another uh, gear and, and shifted the way MLS teams do even business um, with, with getting the the young South Americans and developing them and then selling them on for big profits. But uh, I think that probably my, yeah, I think the best memory has got to be MLS Cup 2018. Uh, probably the best environment uh, that I've ever played in front of. And, you know, that's including uh, national team games and Champions League and Olympics and things like that. So it was unbelievable atmosphere. Um, obviously, we we had a good performance and and won the trophy. Uh, so that was a day that uh, for sure we'll always remember. Yeah, we're excited that the program's been super successful. You know, we ran the uh, hockey team out of town, so we're we're glad to see that soccer's sticking around <laughs> and has made made its mark um, there in Atlanta. You know, a lot of guys when they make the transition from their playing careers to, you know, life after life after that, it can be a lot and it can be, you know, some some say difficult to navigate. But when y'all ultimately made the decision to retire from the game, what ultimately led to the decision to then start the Beyond Goals mentoring program? Yeah, I think a little similar to um you all's story and ATX and kind of 
why you guys started this podcast as far as trying to reach as many uh, youth athletes as possible. We experienced things throughout our career, uh, and especially later on in our career, where we we played with a lot of younger players, and you know, kind of could see what made a good rookie, what who who went on to be successful. Why were some of these younger players that were really highly touted uh, not being successful, not getting second contracts? Right. Uh, that combined with now all these MLS academies are up and running and being very successful, and all the pressure that these players are now under year after year to make a team, to stay on the team, not get cut. What happens if you get cut? Where are you going to play? Right college scholarships, should I go pro, you know, how, how quickly can I turn pro, like all this individualized training, right? There's so much. And a lot of it is awesome, right? There's so many opportunities for younger players today in all sports, which is fantastic. Uh, but with that comes a lot more pressure for sure. Uh, you know, pressure from uh, themselves, from parents, from uh, coaches, uh, from uh, extended family and friends. And so uh, there's just to navigate for young athletes today and you know when we go and talk with young athletes and we ask them you know what what percentage of the game do you think is mental um sometimes we hear answers like 90 percent, 80 percent. you know all, all the time it's it's at least above 30 or 40 percent, right um yet you know we don't think that it's really being um attended to at that percentage at all or if if at all um, by these clubs, and so um, it, it's a major factor, and we're just trying to lend our experience, right? We're we're not doctors, we don't have PhDs, but we do have the experience of what it takes to get to the highest level, to have success at the highest level, and uh, we think a lot of those things that made us successful also help make anyone successful, right? Our message isn't just for the players that want to turn pro, right? It's for the players that want to play high school that want to try and play in college, that want to be successful in whatever they do after sport. So, um, yeah, that's kind of why we started it and what we're doing. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. I feel like, what was it, before COVID, maybe right at the peak of COVID, just all the universities that the players were, you know, unfortunately passing away due to suicide. And a lot of it, I mean, there were a lot of college athletes that were soccer players, not just soccer specifically, but... I mean, yeah, when you talk about the mental toll that the game and like the internal pressure that athletes put on themselves to perform, um, it can be a lot. So I commend you guys on on kind of filling this void and, and filling the gap. I think that it's super important. And to your point, Mike, I think that more universities, more programs should have a mental health advocate or someone that they can go to, you know, because, yeah, in this era of social media, too, it it doesn't doesn't make things better it's a different beast different aspect to things um that we obviously didn't have to go through as young players but it's a it's a definite uh factor in in young players lives today and it can be a great tool but it can also be really damaging as well of course there, there's actually some aspects that we'll we'll talk about later when it comes to social media and stuff like that um one of the kind of you know, refocusing back on, you know, the the why behind Beyond Goals mentoring. Um, what are some of the other gaps that you see in U.S. soccer today, and and how is Beyond Goals mentoring going to start to change the game from a mental aspect? You know, Mike and I are very fortunate to say that we had a lot of people uh, that were in our corner 
uh, throughout our, our whole entire careers to kind of help us uh, navigate each and every phase of whatever that may have been. Um, whether it be the biggest injury that I had in my career, whether it be uh, a failed attempt uh, to go on trial uh, somewhere else, whether it be uh, just just improving my body language on the field or somebody telling me uh, what needed to be better to uh, gain you know better components and, and add uh, and implement better components within my game. Uh, you know, I think I was very fortunate within every phase of my career to have someone uh, to 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 give me that guidance. And, you know, I think in today's world, uh, you see within youth soccer, uh, in my personal opinion, it can't always be just the parents. Uh, it can't always be just the coaches. Uh, a coach can, you know, can really collectively speak to everyone on the team, but it's, it's, it's probably the wrong thing to do when you individualize it, um, within their, within their shoes, right? You know, you have to take care of 25, 30 players all at once, and you're not able to really create those bonds or those relationships or have those intimate conversations about what's best for that each and every individual. And I, I believe that, you know, what we offer with Beyond Goals Mentoring is a way to provide a big brother, uh, you know, companionship in each and every player's pathway and, uh, you know, be someone that they can relate to, someone that they can look, uh, look up to, and also someone who can provide specific and particular experiences that we went through that they can say, Okay, well, this this guy went through that. He did that, and he was still able to create some sustainability within his successful career. And um, you know, how can I use that uh, within whatever I go through as well? And uh, you know, we we throw a lot of different information at every single player that we speak to, whether whatever age they are. Um, at the end of the day, we don't want them to uh, you know grab onto every single piece of information that we throw at them. But as long as there are things that they can really hold on to and say, okay, this will help me. Uh, at a certain point or certain phase within whatever I go through in my life, then um, that's what it's all about. You know, I think um, at the end of the day, Mike and I, we, we personally know that the percentage of a, a kid becoming professional is a very, very, very small one, right? Um, but all of these other vital and key components that we are teaching these kids and speaking about, uh, you know, kind of piggybacking, piggybacking off of, of, of what Mike said is that hopefully it will make them successful in whatever they do, whether they become a doctor, a lawyer, a nurse, uh, you know, um, in, in, in whatever uh, aspect that they're, uh, or, 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 you know, environment that they're working in, um, I can guarantee you they'll be in a team environment, right? It's just like you guys, uh, you guys are a team and things that you learned within uh, being within a team will probably make you successful um, with whatever team you work with in the future. So I think sports provides such a, a huge asset and quality to a lot of these players that, um, you know, I think maybe us as this youth soccer, um, you know, nation that we are that is, is growing, right? It's a billion dollar um, you know, uh, sport that we, that we live in right now. But, you know, I think there are key components that need to be, um, thrown within, within the mental aspect of it and, and helping these kids understand that, you know, it's not necessarily, uh, making it professionally, but understanding the, the things that they're learning from that sport that will help them individually, uh, in the long run. Greg, you mentioned some of your mentors. Do you mind speaking to maybe one or two of your mentors and maybe the kind of key either like theme or the transferable skills I mean y'all keep saying which I completely agree with that like whether you're playing an actual sport on a team or you're in your nine to five IT job you're on a team so what transferable skills did your mentors you know instill in you most definitely you know I think uh just just knowing your role 
knowing your role in every team and environment that you play in, um, you know, how to use the best of your assets and your qualities and your strengths. Um, that's something that was really instilled within me from a very young age. You know, I think uh, if I were to look back in my personal career and even when I was a, a very young player, I was always the smallest player. Um, I was never the fastest. I was quick, but I was never the fastest. And so um, you look at, you know, you look at what the the formula is for most successful American players at that age, whether they're 12 through the age of 15, 16, it's probably strength, size, and speed uh, that that coaches look for. And I had, you know, I had none of those. Uh, I had a great technical ability. I could do anything and everything I wanted with the ball. Um, and, 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 you know, my vision and IQ was, was probably much more advanced. And I think mentors really helped me understand, okay, focus on those things that those things will get you a lot further in the long run, um, and, in terms of, you know, development and, and, and creating those opportunities, uh, for yourself in the future. And I think that's just one great example, uh, that we try and instill and embed within these, uh, kids' minds is, is that, you know, us as players and us as humans, we're, we're most likely to always look towards the negatives. We're most likely to look towards the things that, uh, you know, are our weaknesses within the game. And we're, we're, you know, consistently focusing on what can we be better at rather than focusing on what am I already good at and how can I use that consistently? We were talking again before the podcast today, before we started rolling, and you guys have kind of added on an additional asset with your interviews that y'all are um, putting on YouTube. So be sure to follow. I'll give you guys time to plug at the end. Um, but congrats on that. I think that that's just super important. And obviously in the social media, again, era that we live in, it's very readily accessible, which is great. Um, and I think that fans enjoy hearing from not only YouTube, but the people that you know, y'all have kept in your inner circle and and respect as mentors. Um, I was watching a couple of them, maybe the first one or two that y'all uploaded and y'all were talking about the importance of versatility. Why do you believe versatility is such an important trait to possess? Yeah, um, we, we deal with a lot of kids who uh, are asked to change positions, who uh, go to a new team and a new coach plays them at a new position. And that can be difficult, right? There's the aspect of no i want to prove myself that like this is my position not what you think is the best position for me but this is what i've always played and this is what i want to play this is what i'm best at versus um you know understanding that okay how do i use my strengths at this new position to have success and you know looking at it like, with a growth mindset of like okay this is a new opportunity for me uh rather than you know uh, I'll do it for a little bit until I can get to my normal position. Um, and, you know, we were speaking with Julian Gressel, who, you know, came to the league as, I don't even know, he played striker in college. He played wing for Atlanta United. He played a number number eight, you know, he now he's an outside back, you know, he's played all over the place. And a lot of people, you know, say, you know, if, if you're very skilled at a multiple positions, you don't, you don't master one, uh, right. But, you know, his versatility is the main reason why he's played so many games in MLS, right. If he wasn't versatile in Atlanta United, he wouldn't have been on the field so much, right. Where Atlanta United was spending millions of dollars on foreign attacking talent. And yet Julian drafted out of college, I think played the most games for Atlanta United over the first four years. Right. And that was because of his versatility, right. He was playing all over the field. And so um, a lot of that is just the mental side of like, okay, how do I adjust in this new position, right? What strengths can I bring to it? And and just going all in on it and knowing like, okay, this is better for my career than it is just being able to focus 
focus on this one position. You know, Greg's Greg's a good example as well. And you know, I'll let him tell it, right? But I I had the experience as well where I was a center back uh all my career pretty much. And then I went to Europe, you know, five years into my pro career and they wanted me to play outside back. And I fought it at first because I was like, no, I want to prove myself as a center back. And uh I, I fought it a little bit. And then six months later they kind of forced it again. And I actually uh, went all in at that point, and I loved it. It you know, I had great success at the team level. Uh, brought us to Champions League. I got back with the national team, played outside back, and it it really uh, was great for my career. And so I look back and think how silly I was to not you know be bought in from day one as as an outside back. Um, you know, and I know Greg's got a good example as well. Yeah, for me personally, uh, you know, my whole entire youth career of every. You know, I was very fortunate to play every single age group within the youth national teams from from the age of about 12, 13 and, and went all the way up to through through the, every single rank. But, uh, you know, I think probably up until about under 20s, I played uh, center mid and, and left wing. And that was uh, that was my my, you know, my main and, and, and you know, perfect position in my mind. Um, but I think becoming a, a pro quite young and having the opportunity, uh, like 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 Parky said, having the opportunity. Uh, to get on the field and and getting thrown at left back and you know I tell a lot of kids that we work with I was very fortunate to to make a uh, you know a long career within playing left back and was I still able to implement some of the things that I used within playing center mid and left wing of course but you know I was able to to kind of make a staple within that uh, one position and um, you know at the time I looked at it as okay this is one position that's always very much needed uh, in today's game right there's not too many great great left backs that you can that you can find and teams are always in the need of it so um, you know how could I make the most of that opportunity and and, and I was able to do so when uh when you guys start to play different positions right you can end up playing next to a guy that may not speak English, right? Maybe that experience um, carried over into Europe or even with some of the players on Atlanta United because they're coming from South America. So with your experience, are you guys starting to learn the language of your teammates and being able to speak with them in little bits and phrases on the field? Or what does that kind of look like as you start to adapt to some of your teammates with different languages? Uh, I'll, I'll take I'll take that one. Uh... Just because I, I'm, I'm I'm trilingual, and I think that you know I I should have been paid more at Atlanta United for being the main translator for the team, <laughs> uh, just as much as the player. Um, but um, you know I think uh, you look at every environment and every place that you play, um, and I think, like I said from the very beginning, you know you guys said you know what 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 are things that mentors pass down to us, and and I, I answered and, and knowing your role. Um, and that was one of my main roles within Atlanta United. It was creating, um, you know, a, a locker room to gel together. It was creating an environment for everybody to feel comfortable with one another. And uh, one of my main roles on that team was to be a translator, was to help everyone be on the same page, understand each other, um, you know, and, and create that camaraderie within within the locker room that was so important to all of us. I believe we had probably over ten languages, you know, spoken within that locker room at that time, but uh, we, we all had the ability to, you know, soccer is, is a universal language, but, um, the language component, um, does, does play a huge factor in regards to everyone being on the same page and, um, having a head coach that does not speak a lick of, uh, English from the very get go. And, um, you know, having a lot of players that's also spoke a different languages, you know, spoke different languages, 
Um, but, you know, I think that that was one of my main roles and, and, and how I could be that great teammate, uh, you know, to the team was, was you know, in terms of, of helping everyone understand uh, each other and be on the same page. And, you know, that, that was uh, a vital piece, uh, you know, I think not necessarily to our success, but um, more so just to creating that that great team environment. Yeah, I think that that's another value of the versatility of playing different positions is you understand what that teammate next to you is going through and how to help them, right? If you've been in those shoes before. So even if you can't speak the same language, right? You can still communicate a lot through the details of the game, like how hard you pass a ball to the other guy, what foot you play it to him, right? You're communicating to him if he's got time to take a touch or without saying a word, um, but all communicator out there on the field. Right? So there's ways to, to communicate, even if you can't speak the same language, but it's, it's one of my biggest regrets of not being able to, to speak a second language. And I highly encourage all youth athletes uh, or anybody in general, I'm trying to teach my kids Spanish right now. Right. And it's like, so valuable. Yeah. And body language too. I know you mentioned that earlier, Greg, I'm sure is something that's helpful too. Like if you see a guy kind of after a game or missing a shot, you know, kind of, and just knowing like, do I go to him? Do I kind of let him just, you know, be in his feels for a minute? <laughs> Most definitely. You know, body. I think uh, body language is is huge and it's such a major aspect that we touch base on with every single one of our players uh, that we speak to today. Um, you know, we, we really focus, uh, you know, we can always give the one example of we have a particular player that, um, you know, uh, had the chance to go, you know, hopefully has the chance to go to a, a top college. But um, unfortunately, whenever we were mentoring him and going over video analysis uh, and seeing how bad and how disappointing his body language was um, after every mistake he made, after every mistake, um, you know, a teammate made, whatever it may have been, um, you know, could have been a huge turnoff. Uh, to the scouting program or to the uh, school that he was trying to get into. So um, those are things that, you know, mom and dad can always say, but having someone that has been there, done that and pointing out and teaching them a lesson, um, you know, is, is another. And, you know, after, after speaking with this uh, player for a few months and showing him over and over and teaching him these particular lessons, um, then you're able to see those next games that he plays and just a, a, a night and day, um, difference of, you know, how he was able to carry himself on the field. Um, and those little details, right. We speak about, you know, what separates, uh, you know, an elite player from just an average player. And in my opinion, it's, it's just, it's all in the details. It's all in the details of how that player carries himself on the field, um, how he's uplifting with others, you know, not only just the talent, the God-given talent that he has at his feet, but, you know, what's his personality? What's his character? Um, all of these different things that, that, you know, separate and differentiate that player from the rest is, is, is vitally, vitally important. I was um, watching a podcast recently with a sports psychologist, and she said something that was so simple, but like mind-blowing. She was like, with a lot of her clients, she saw, you know, they would be getting worked up over something or not getting enough playing time or whatever, and then creating this narrative in their head. And she was like, just let A equal A, not A equal B. You know, because like you think A equals, oh, I'm not getting playing time because my coach doesn't like me. Or, oh, I'm not getting playing time because I missed that shot or whatever earlier in the game. No, just let like A equal A. And then you would avoid <laughs> so much like probably mental mind games that you're playing with yourself. And just like, you know, like y'all been alluding to this whole time, just getting out there and doing what you do best, just stay in your lane, 
know your role and don't, you know, get in your feels. <laughs> um, well, obviously I've been doing my research and um, you guys had a former teammate from Atlanta United on, John Gallagher. And um, I was listening to it actually this morning. How important is it to y'all? I mean, obviously doing what you do now, but just in life, maintaining friendships, um, whether that be with former teammates or just in your personal lives. Yeah, it's one of the beauties of of playing sport. This is the friendships that we've made and the people all over the world that we're still connected with. And you know, when you're when you're on a team, and that's that's why we say there's so many benefits to sport uh, outside of like just making it pro, right? And one of those huge huge benefits is some of my best friends today. The closest people are guys that I played soccer with from when I was like six until 13. Um, like those are still some of my best buddies. Right. And so when, when you're going through um, a season and you're grinding together, right, you have a bond. And so we have a bond with a lot, lot of players who are now all over the world. Uh, and, and so obviously you stay connected a little closer to some rather than others, but it's so easy to, you know, hit up somebody like John and say, Hey, you know, uh, you know, great job that, what's been going on. I'd love to talk to you a little bit. And um, I think the other thing is that I'm sure you have, you guys have found with Austin and, and even through your work is most soccer players are are just good people right? and they're willing to do an interview, willing to speak, willing to grow the game. Uh, and so, you know, for us, it's, it's nice to be able to call up old friends and teammates and talk to them and ask them uh, a few questions because they know, right. We're, we're doing it to just grow the game and help younger generations have more success. So uh, yeah, but John, John's a great guy. And I actually really like the Austin um, uh, roster because there's a lot of good people on that, that roster uh, in the coaching staff and in the team that I've been around and uh, you know, have a lot of respect for. So I don't think he'll be the last person from the team we speak to. Absolutely. And uh his his story is is uh incredible to see right i mean he is a guy that was at probably some points like just making the roster at atlanta united now he's become more experienced and his mentality is to just always get better how have you seen him step up as a leader on this austin fc team besides the fact that he's scoring these ridiculous goals from outside back <laughs> I'll take that. You know, I think, uh, you know, one of the main points that we spoke with John about was just, uh, you know, the, the, the factor of resilience, right. Of perseverance, of understanding, uh, what tough times are like and how you can use that, um, you know, for your experience as you get older, especially if you're able to get through those moments. Um, and I truly believe that, you know, uh, Michael says it all the time that leaders are never born. They're always bred. Um, and, and within those moments, uh, you're able to understand as a player, uh, the experiences that you go through really, you know, truly factor into the, 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 the shape or type of leader that you will be, um, on the field. And, you know, we, we use ourselves for, for examples of, you know, Michael and I, um, you know, I was never a, a raw, raw person or someone that was, you know, going to build up, uh, the locker room, but I was more of a person that wanted to lead by action and lead by example. And, uh, always wanted to be the lion leader in kindergarten. And I kind of, you know, uh, carried that over into my, my playing career, right. Not necessarily telling everyone what to do, um, or how to do it, but just wanting to be that prime example of, of, you know, the younger generations to follow. And I think, 
Um, you know, John was a, 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 you know, a young kid that came in and really took all of that in, right? You, you learn from the guys who have been there for a really long time and you watch them very closely. Um, and I can, you know, use that within my personal experience and I'm sure Michael can as well. And you, you learn from those little details and those little things that have, you know, created uh, such long careers for those particular players. And I believe John um, was a prime example of that. When he came in, um, even though he was going through tough times, he was able to still learn um, from from some of the greats, right? And some from some guys who have been doing it for so long and um, some of them still do it, some of us don't, but uh he was he was able to to really take it all in and now now able to use it within the environment and within the place that he's in uh, right now and that's and 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 that just gets passed down to generation to generation and um that's what it's all about right those those for me right you you look at rookies especially as a veteran and you look at the rookies that come in then you say okay if this guy is able to you know go through um you know tough moments or the trials and tribulations of what he has to go to to get the opportunity to play he'll be fine and he'll be, he'll be great. Um, and John was the prime example of that. Uh, you knew that he was going to be a great pro as long as he got that opportunity because he, he understood the ins and outs, the rights, the wrongs. Uh, he understood of what we call the 24 seven, uh, you know, athlete mindset. Yeah. It's kind of like the putting the work and preparation in for like when your name's called, like you're ready to go. That's yeah. It's been, it's been great to see the club. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, not even two years into Austin. And it's just, I mean, from a fan lens from, you know, obviously Nico and I don't play professionally, but it's just been cool to see what this club being here and like the presence it's had in Austin and on the community. Um, and as both of y'all alluded to just the mix of players and just how like great they are with like the fans and just across the board, just like good human beings. Um, I have, I mean, everybody we've had on the pod Everyone I've met from the team, just top to bottom, it's a great, great organization. Yeah, and obviously the the issues and and the struggles of of becoming a professional are going to be a lot different, obviously, than a lot of the youth players that are going to come through your program. Can you highlight some of the the issues that you see are common? Let's say between the ages of fifteen to twenty five, what are they struggling with? What are some of the common things that you typically talk to them about and help them with? I think that confidence is always the number one issue or not issue, but common factor. Um, and, you know, it's such a broad ranging topic, right? And getting cut from teams, going through bad periods in a game, going through bad periods in a season, you know, in between games uh, and how to deal with those things, right? It's a, a mindset thing of how do you bounce back from mistakes and the resiliency both in, in game and, you know, throughout a, the longevity of a season. Uh, and the amazing thing is, is it doesn't matter if you're 12 or 14 or if you're 28 and, and, and a pro for six years, you still go through the same things. Uh, and John's a great example, right? He he finally got his chance in Atlanta United. I think his third year as a pro, maybe fourth, and played like 20 games or something and had a, a really good season. And then that next offseason gets traded. And, you know, for him, I'm sure he's looking at it like, you got to be kidding me. Finally got my chance, did well, right? And now, now I'm going to a brand new team. I don't know what to expect, what's going on, right? And, and to your point earlier of like, you know, let – one equal one and two equal two, um, right? It was like, okay, don't 
don't analyze and dissect the whys behind it. Uh, look at the new opportunity and what I can do with this new opportunity. And that's what he's done. Um, but it's the same thing of kind of being cut from a team when you're 14 or, or 12, right? And you're okay. Yes, disappointed, right? But okay, now I've got a new opportunity with a new team, right? And how to use that for motivation rather than um, for it to bring you down and, and, and you know, drag your confidence out of you. So definitely confidence and overcoming obstacles is, is probably number one, um, you know, when, we, when we're talking to kids. I don't know, Greg, after that. Yeah, yeah. I feel, uh, you know, really helping them focus on what they can control. And I think that goes to your point as well of, of you know, understanding, like you said, um, I always tell kids, it's make it be plan A, plan A, plan A, plan A, plan A. Um, there's always going to be a plan B, right, in your back pocket. But everything that you can do towards that plan A, um, that, that's got to be the mindset, right? And, and, and controlling every factor that goes within that plan A is, is, is key to, you know, hopefully providing that success for each and every individual, um, you know, and, and, and not focusing on the uncontrollables, whether, like you said, why am I not getting playing time? Uh, why does this person not like me? Um, you know, if I do this, will it, you know, affect me there, right? There's so many uncontrollables that all of us go through, even as pros, right? Um, you know, you, 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 there's so many things that you just cannot control. You can't control if you're going to get traded. You can't control if you get dropped. You can't control if you get injured. Um, you know, there's all of these different things, but what is going to be the mindset when you are injured? What is going to be the mindset uh, when you aren't getting playing time? And, um, you know, that, that for me is the most gratifying thing. And, and, and what we do with Beyond Goals Mentoring is because each and every one of us have, has gone, you know, especially as a pro, we went through those same exact things, right. Of getting released, just like John of, you know, not making the team or getting traded or going through a major injury. Right. And we can help these young kids, especially, I think, you know, like you said, from the ages of 15, to 25, but it doesn't matter necessarily what age, but helping them understand that failure will be a part of their trajectory. Um, you know, the, 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 it's never a linear, right. The line is never, it just never goes straight up. There are tons of hurdles and obstacles and things uh, that they will go through. Um, but what are still your controllables? What is your reaction on each and every one of those factors um, will, will essentially, you know, play a huge role um, in, in how far you get. And do you fold at certain moments like that? Or, um, you know, do you have like what Parky said, the, the growth mindset um, to continue and, and, and battle through those things and, and gain that, that sense of resilience um, and perseverance. And, you know, uh, like, like we said, John is a, a prime example of that. Yeah, Greg, you were just saying, you know, failure, mistakes, like those things are a part of life. Like we wish we could say it's just like start at the bottom and it's just like an upward slope, but it's not that way. You know, whether you play soccer, you're in your nine to five entrepreneur, how do you tangibly equip y'all's clients with, you know, to handle situations where they have made mistakes, you know, and they may be in their head, you know, like, hey, guy or hey, guy hey, you know, maybe try this or try that. Like, what are like one or two things that y'all equip them with when they are in those situations? I think the, f the first thing that, uh, that I love to equip them with is ex not expecting perfection. I think that we have a, a tendency to always want to be perfect, right? To, to play the perfect game, to, to be the perfect student, to get the perfect grades, right? And we always want this utopia feeling. And, um, 
you know, we, I talk about the mental curve and trying to avoid the highs and lows of a roller coaster, right? And so when things are going well, um, right, we don't get, we, the aim is not to be on top of the mountain, right? It's it's to be above the baseline, enjoy when things are going well and be happy and be excited and celebrate things, right? But um, not so much where you're on the cloud nine and nothing will ever take you down and I'm going to be here forever type mentality, right? Because the player, the pl- people and the players that are like that, when things go wrong or if things go poorly or something bad happens, they ride the roller coaster and hit the bottom. And that's what we want to avoid, right? Because when you're at the bottom, you lose confidence. It's tough to get back up. You ask yourself, why me? Why this? Why now? Right. Uh, rather than focused on like, okay, how do I get back up? Um, and so the, number one is stop, stop trying to be perfect. Right. And I, you don't even want to play a soccer game perfect because the game of soccer is a game of mistakes. And like Greg says that all the time. And it's like, if you played a perfect game, uh, I'll say that, well, you didn't try and take anybody one-on-one. You didn't try and shoot. You didn't try and make any, you know, difficult passes. Right? You must've, you must've just played the simple pass every single time. Right. And you didn't challenge yourself. Uh, so number one is stop trying to be perfect, right? Expect and plan on making mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes. You want to make mistakes. That's how we grow. So that would be first and foremost, every time for me. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, for me, Michael always says something is that, you know, life, life is not fair. Um, we, we say it to our kids all the time, right? Life is never fair. It, it isn't. And, you know, what, what you do in those moments and how you react off those moments when life isn't fair um, essentially is what, you know, shows the person that you truly are. And, and one thing that I speak to a lot um, with, with the players that, that we work with um, and even the teams is, you know, in, in those moments, uh, you know, what, what, what is your outlet? Right. Um, you know, us as us as soccer players. Right. I mean, we can go and ask Clint Dempsey what his favorite thing to do um, beyond soccer. And he might say he likes fishing more than he likes soccer and fishing was his way to get away. Right. It was his way was his outlet. Right. Um, and, and, you know, in, in my personal career, it was, you know, journaling, it was writing, writing is my second passion. Um, but it was my outlet. It was my way to get away mentally from the game and not put that pure focus into trying to be just perfect for the game of soccer. Right. There has to always be this second hobby and passion that that kind of helps us get through certain moments, whether it is a, a moment of adversity or even whether it is like a high moment, like, like uh, Michael said. So um, I think creating an outlet for each and every player. Um, I think when you, when you, you know, you put your mind in and you kind of create overkill for the brain of, of just thinking, you know, overanalyzing um, your performance or overanalyzing what you have to do to be successful and, um, you kind of get away of, of other things that are important within your life. And I, I think it's all about creating, creating that balance. There's an example of a player at Austin FC who made a mistake recently. He made a pass back uh, to the other team against St. Louis. They scored. And just by doing some research, I just went onto his Instagram page to see what kind of feedback the fans were providing him. And it was pretty... Uh, pretty intense people wanting him to leave the club, leaving pretty nasty comments, right? I think as a defender, you're under a lot of pressure on social media because if you make one mistake, it could lead to a goal. How, what advice can you give to players that are having to deal with some kind of social media issue where there's kind of a magnifying glass on that mistake, right? 
Yeah, um, I'll I'll take that one because you know I think I, I played in Mexico for quite some time, um, and and you know I, I I can be honest and say I received even death threats of bad games that I played, um, whether playing in, in in clubs that I did because you know obviously you're losing a lot of money for people who are making bets or whatever it may be, right? There's mm-hmm. there's all types of different ty- mm-hmm. kinds of people out there in the world. Um, what what you do in those situations, you know, even as a young player. Um, I think Michael says it says it best, um, and I'll steal it from Michael. And he says, "Only, only, only take criticism from people you would take advice from," um, and and that's kind of that has to be the mentality that you have to go by, um, especially playing at that level. So, um, if if anyone is behind a, a keyboard and you know says something that at the end of the day you wouldn't take advice from them, then uh, you know it should it should mean absolutely nothing. Should just go through one ear and right out of the other. But if there are moments to where a mentor or to where a coach or to where someone uh, really wants to see you succeed and see you do better, and you're able to take that constructive criticism um, and advice from them, then then it's perfectly fine. But um, there's always going to be uh, more people to criticize rather than to praise us, right? Um, and and that, I think that does, you know, in in, in terms of creating sometimes self doubt and going through those doubt bouts of confidence within a the professional environment, you just have to find that balance of of understanding those key phrases. Yeah, and I think that the negative voices are always louder than the positive ones, right? And um, you know, that's where you have to lean into your teammates, lean into uh, your your close ones, your mentors, and um, you know hear what they're saying louder than um maybe the masses out there that are um just a little bit louder uh so it, no doubt that's a tough one to to come back from because you know unfortunately it, it made its rounds on social media and everybody saw it and um you know it's it's publicized obviously you know playing in major league soccer but uh that's that's a test of resiliency for sure and you know f- for kip that'll be a tough one um to come back from i hope that he's gets another opportunity here and, and is able to bounce back from it and, um, you know, go on to have a, a really great career. And hopefully one day I can, you know, show rookies and laugh about it. Um, but, you know, that'll be the challenge from here for sure. What do both of you, I'll let um, Mike take this one. Um, what do you believe has changed the most as we talk about the mental side of the game and social media? What's changed the most about y'all's approach to helping your clients prepare for their next chapter in their career? Do you currently have any clients that are kind of in the phase that y'all are in where they're maybe thinking about retirement or recently retired and kind of helping them apply the skills that they've had for, you know, 10, however many years that they played in the league? Yeah, no, I don't. I mean, we've got friends, obviously, that are at that age. Nobody that we mentor. We do mentor a couple of younger professionals, but nobody on the uh, downed the downside of their career. Uh, but it's it's a tough navigation. Anytime you're switching careers or doing something different, right? And you're entering the unknown a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and we had a former teammate go through a really tough time uh, where it's like, do you stay in the game or do you do something completely different and get out of the game, right? And, and, and kind of start fresh uh, and start anew, right? But you're not throwing away, but putting away all the experience that you've had for the past 20 30 40 years however long it's been that you've been in soccer right and and that's difficult right and figuring out where to where to start and for us it was like how to stay involved in the game that we love without doing the coaching uh trail because as you know the coaches it's it's a difficult profession and it's a grind it's a lot of work it's a lot of hours 
And uh, for me, it was like, I, I wanted to put the family first and didn't want to go down that route, even though like, I'd love to coach kids at some point and give back the knowledge that I've learned. But for right now, uh, it's just not for me, right? So how how to stay involved and stay in the game because I wanted to at some capacity. Uh, so this seemed like a good fit for us, but um, or for me, but that's it's a challenge no matter who you are or what you're doing to to change careers or to change avenues um, and, and start something fresh, right? Um, but uh, I'm glad we did it and I'm glad we kind of took that step of like, hey, let's just go for it and see where we can go, right? And we didn't have, we did, still don't have everything figured out, right? We don't know where we're going to be in 10 years, uh, what the grand plan is, right? We're taking it kind of by day, month by month, year by year and seeing how can we grow it can we get other former players involved at some point? Can we, you know, create a bigger thing where we're working with academies throughout the country? Who knows? Um, and I think that's that's been helpful for us. We haven't said, okay, we need to have this all figured out right now, right? And was, if, if that's the case, sometimes you never jump in. It's like, okay, let's just jump in, get our feet wet. We'll, we'll see where it takes us. And that's kind of what we've been doing. Yeah, it kind of taps back into that notion of like, perfectionism, you know, like wanting everything to be perfect, wanting to have the perfect game, wanting to have the perfect new company, you know, coming out the gate hot. Like that's kind of Nico and I's story too. I mean, I think we're similar a little bit in that regard. Um, but it's like, you just got to get yourself, put yourself out there and then just like learn on the fly. And it's, I mean, as long as you know your, your why, I think everything else just follows suit. So Greg, do you want to hop in on this one? Uh, I I absolutely love that you just said that phrase uh, at the very end because I, I ask kids that all the time, uh, and I think that's probably Nico what you said. Um, what's what's one of the main conversations that we have with kids that you know, probably in my opinion, the older kids um, is is to find their why, um, you know, find their why of what they do, what they do, what's their reason, right, or why they do what they do, and what's their reason. Um, because, you know, you have so many kids and, and even sometimes parents, right, um, that say, okay, my kid has to be a pro. Okay, I have to be a pro. I have to be a pro. I have to be a pro. And they forget why they started playing soccer in the first place. And, um, you know, I always tell a lot of kids that I speak to is, you know, one of my main my main objectives before every single major game, and I mean, every game was a major one, but every game that I played was just to remind myself, you know, right before the whistle, first whistle blew was to kind of, you know, visualize myself being a four-year-old, five-year-old kid kicking the ball in, in, in my backyard or kicking the ball against the wall, because that's what made me the happiest, right? That Those were my happiest moments. And that was my why. Uh, I played the game for so long and was very fortunate to do so at a high level, but um, my, my why was because I had the absolute love, passion, desire, um, to, to play the game. And, um, you know, it's, it's so important for people to find their why and everything that they do. And, um, that, that can get lost, uh, within, within the youth environment in today's world. Um, you know, especially within youth soccer, because I think a lot of these kids, they don't realize, uh, you know, that, that the percentage is so small, uh, to make it. And I think that, you know, it's, it's always great to dream big, but, you know, like you guys mentioned as well is how can you use that power of now of what they have directly right in front of them, um, which is a great book to read by Eckhart Tolle as well. Um, you know, the power of now and, and understanding what's right in front of you and how you can make the most of it um, in that, in that situation. And then also finding your why that, that goes along with it. 
So you guys have uh, gotten exposure to a lot of probably phenomenal young players. Who sticks out right now at the moment that does have potential to be a future superstar coming through your program? Noah Cobb right now is probably um, you know one, one of our one of the talented players that uh, we speak with. Um, you know, and, and you know we don't work with them you know weekly or anything, right? And and that's where we kind of meet our clients, right? It's what works for you. How can we help you, right? It's not we don't have a set program of like, hey. This is what exactly what we're going to go through. This is exactly what we'll talk about in meeting one and meeting two and four and whatever. Um, it's kind of what are you struggling with? What can we help you with? Uh, what are you really good at? And how can we help you get even better at it? Um, and, and those types of things. And, and otherwise, it's just little check-ins to see how they're doing um, and kind of be a friend. Um, you know, and, and Noah's uh, a pro now and and doing really well and. Uh, made his major league soccer debut, and I think he's going to have a really good career ahead of him. Um, but you know, he's you know, they lost 6 1 in his MLS debut to Columbus, and so, um, you know, I, I texted him afterwards and said, Hopefully, you know, in 15 years, you'll be able to have a laugh about it, right? I know that you can't laugh about it right now because it's obviously disappointing, right? But, um, you know, take the positives from it, uh, bounce back, that type of thing. Uh, so, you know. I think it's good for younger athletes to know, right? We, we don't want to view, I think, mental health and and going through and, and talking to us as like, oh, we're in a bad place, right? Um, like we can have these conversations when you're in a good place, right? You don't have to be in a bad place to to talk to to somebody about something, right? Why why let it get bad before you start talking to somebody, um, right? You can continue to work on things. You know, we, we talk about working on your strengths and improving your strengths, right? And and uh, um, not just your weaknesses. So uh, we want to get away from that stigma of like, hey, you know, if we're working with you, it must mean you're in a bad place. Um, and that that's not always the case. And I think the professional athletes are a good example of that. Yeah, it's kind yeah, of... I, I just, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Just like tacking on like how Mike was mentioning earlier, just like that baseline, not like not getting too high and not getting too low. You know, I think that that's why therapy is great too for for athletes, for anyone you know, because it's like you go through every season, every stage, you're really high, you're really low. But yeah, Mike, to your point, it's just like keeping that baseline and whether you had a bad game or you're going through a great season, like it just kind of helps you stay level-minded. Most definitely. Yeah, we we work with a lot of different players, um, gosh, from all over the States and and some in different parts of the world. Um, and and so I guess that's a that's a hard question. To answer because I believe that a lot of the players that we work with, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully some of them will be able to create something for themselves um, in, in the future. But that that's you know, that's why we created what we did because we understood the ins and outs, the rights, the wrongs, the do's, the don'ts of every single phase um, that they will be going through. We've mm -hmm. been in all of their shoes before, and so one major thing for me, and I always tell parents, uh, you know, uh, with a lot of the kids that we work with is that, you know, we just want to make sure that once these kids, if they ever do have that opportunity to make something, uh, out of soccer, um, you know, then they will be able to look back and see and say to themselves, okay, you know, these two guys or, or, you know, whoever helps us out in the future or whoever, you know, will be a, a part of, um, of what we do. The, these guys went through that. They, they experienced 
you know, having the same opportunities and, 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 you know, how, how did they create that consistency? How did they create, um, that, that long-term commitment? How did they, how did they get through each and every phase? And, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of players that I could probably call out and choose their name, but, um, at the end of the day, you really, really never know, um, which kid is, is, is truly going to break through, but you just hope that they have, um, all, all the right and vital key components, uh, that they need. Uh, beyond beyond the God-given talent that they have at their feet uh, to help them through those those moments. As we kind of asked you about like the players that y'all see right now that you know have that potential in each of y'all's own lives. Obviously, this is a new venture for you guys, but how do y'all define success? Yeah, how do, how do we define success of what we of what we do? It, yeah, I mean that it can be however it looks for you, Greg. Personally, yeah. professionally, yeah, for sure. I, I I define success on a message that I get from a parent or a message I get from a player, um, whether it's right after speaking with them, uh, whether it's right after a game that they play, sometimes whether it's right after a bad game that they play, um, and you get a message on your phone at any given point in time, whether it's from uh, a fifteen-year-old boy or an eighteen-year-old girl that we work with. Um, you know, it's, and it's saying, thank you for giving me these exercises or thank you for giving me these strategies, uh, to get through this moment. Or it's from a parent right after the conversation, uh, saying, thank you so much. Uh, you know, my son or daughter has gone, you know, come up from the basement or come downstairs and their face is glowing right now. They're they're You know, the, the, they shared everything you guys spoke to them about of understanding the value of playing under pressure or understanding, uh, how to use and implement their strengths at all times. Um, and it just gives them a better mindset to, to view and look at themselves in the mirror and say, okay, I can do this or, okay. Um, this is, this is me as a player. Right. Um, and, and there's, for me, there's, there's so much value in that. Um, you know, one, one thing that, you know, I can say, Mike and I were very good at, you know, I think even when we built the community of what Atlanta United is today, right. I believe Atlanta United had the greatest project of all, but the most important, in my opinion, the most important asset of every organization is its players that are within. And I think every single player that we had within those first two years um, created what Atlanta United is today. Um, and, and Atlanta United will always be a powerhouse, but because of all of us, we were so involved within the community, whether it was with the Humane Society, whether it was motivationally speaking at middle schools and high schools, whether it was just building a community, right? And that's the best thing about being in Atlanta. Um, I mean, I retired here. I wish Michael was here and I know he's uh, in Columbus, but even every time Michael comes back, there's still so many people that recognize us on the streets every single day. And it's not necessarily because of the success that we had within the team. I know that's a huge part of it, but it's because of the types of people that we were, um, because of the personalities and the characters and the leaders that we were within the community. And I think that is now just carried over uh, you know, into what we do, right? And, and we were so passionate uh, about that as players to be involved in the community because you know that's that's such an important piece to use your platform uh, in that way as well. And uh, you know now we just get to continue to do that, and it carries over within Beyond Goals to still try and change the game or give back to the game that that ultimately gave so so much to us as players and as people. 
you know, success is something, and Greg just mentioned, you know, what, what success is for beyond goals, right? But um, success for all of us and in what we're doing is so important to, to know, right? And what is success and how do you define it for what you're doing and what you're going through, right? And it's kind of goes towards goals and goal setting and writing down goals. And, you know, we just talked to Brandon Vasquez um, about something similar and, you know, how do you measure success, right? Can you have a good game without scoring? And, you know, Brandon Vasquez is a striker in Major League Soccer. He gets paid a lot of money to score goals. Uh, And so, you know, sometimes strikers in particular can come off a performance and, you know, simply judge off, did you score goals today? And, uh, you know, Brandon made it pretty clear that he can have a great game without scoring a goal. And that's important to know, right? So that when you're trying to figure out afterwards, like, did I have a good game, right? Was I successful, right? Well, yeah, I was successful because I helped the team win and I, and I had a great game, but I didn't score any goals, right? So, you know, defining that is important for sure. What's the end goal with beyond goals mentoring? What's kind of your vision? Where, how do how do you, how do you, how do you foresee this growing? Yeah, great question. Um, and I don't, I don't know. We for sure know yet. Um, and I'll let Greg give his thoughts, um, in a second, but, um, you know, right now we're expanding our relationship with Atlanta United Academy and, and working closely with, uh, their athletes. Um, you know, and it could be something in the future where we expand and continue to bring on other former athletes uh, from different teams and making sure that there's a setting within at least every MLS academy. Uh, obviously, there's so many other academies out there, right? And, mm-hmm. um, but starting with that, right, can can we at least help them focus a little bit on the stuff that we've been talking about for the past hour and helping their athletes um, be ready uh, to turn pro when they're ready or be able to go to college and have success and um, help them be ready for life after soccer if they don't make it. Uh, and so uh, I don't know if every academy is set up in a way to do that right now. Uh, and whether that's with beyond goals or, or not, um, you know, it's important right we want we want to see these athletes have success and you know i'm a big proponent of um sports psychologists and i think that they're they're fantastic and i had one in high school and i thought it was awesome um what we do is we bring something a little bit different right we we don't have the exact science that they do and the um the knowledge of some of that stuff but sometimes we're able to connect with athletes a little bit better because we've been in their shoes we we we've had the success on a sporting level and we know what it takes to get there and have success on that. And so, you know, that's what we lean into in, in, in terms of our messaging. Uh, and so I don't know, maybe one day grow it and have athletes all over the, or former players, men and women all over the country, um, trying to deliver their message to athletes, um, and, and just getting a, a broader sense of kind of, you know, uh, mentorship from former athletes to current athletes. I don't know. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I think I'll still Ronaldo's. Uh, I believe Ronaldo said at one point in time where he was at the peak of his career, and he said, "I don't remember all the accolades that I've already stacked up to my name. I don't think about how many more I'll add to my name in the future. The only thing I focus on is what I have in front of me today, and how I can be better than everybody in front of me today." 
Um, you know, and, and that for me, just, you know, he, he lives in that power of now he understands that what he has in front of him and how can he do the little bit of extra, uh, to be better. Right. Um, and, and that's what we, that's what Mike and I try and do every single day, whether it's a thousand and one different ideas that we come up uh, with every single day, how can we implement this? How can we start this? But, you know, how can we gel all of those, uh, things together to continue to grow and, um, you know, help the game as much as possible. Right. Um, we obviously know that our knowledge and wisdom comes of, of you know, I, I truly believe of tremendous value. But at the same time, we created this, um, you know, to, to give back um, and to help kids that hopefully have that opportunity, um, you know, that, that we had at one point. And so, um, you know, one one major thing is that, you know, we, we, we obviously love working with every single player that we uh, that, that we have today. But, um, you know, I would say one. One end goal, I think that, you know, or maybe a short term and could be a, a midterm, long term goal, but is to help players, um, you know, from different backgrounds, maybe from lower income communities or maybe from, um, you know, kids that, that, that don't have uh, access uh, to, you know, maybe using our, uh, you know, using our wisdom and knowledge to help them and uh, maybe creating sponsors that, you know, have, uh, that, that give these kids access to have someone in their corner, to have someone to guide them through. And, um, you know, that's something that Mike and I have spoken uh, about a lot is that, you know, a lot of the kids that we work with, um, you know, uh, most of them, uh, it's a very small percentage of, of, of the world that can, you know, sometimes afford services uh, that, that, you know, like the two of us offer. And, uh, you know, how can we, how can we broaden that and help kids uh, along with other organizations or other um, people that, that, that can say, okay, you know, this, this can be needed um, in, in these kids' lives as well. And I think we can all be very honest and say uh, some of the most talented kids that we played with and some of the best pros that we played with came from very tough backgrounds, right? Um, and so, you know, that's, that's one thing that, that, you know, Mike and I are extremely passionate about and things that, that we want to implement within our program is how can we hit those communities as well um, and help those kids that if one day they have the opportunity to do something with soccer, um, they had the right people in their corner and the right support and the right mentors um, that, that, that gave them the right knowledge and wisdom uh, that they could use and implement within their game as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I think sky's the limit for you guys. You know, y'all obviously have a lot of experience and just, um, you know, through our conversation today, I can just tell that you guys, you know, value relationships. And I think that's key for obviously what you're trying to do, you know, whether it's um, helping other MLS clubs or helping under served communities and, and the youth there. So yeah, sky's the limit for you guys. Um, we're going to wind down here, but um, wanted to get y'all's thoughts on all these celebrity athlete investors that are buying into MLS clubs like Derek Henry, Russell Wilson, Kevin Durant, um, do we have any thoughts on on this? I'd like to get the information. I believe when was the league inaugurated? Nineteen ninety four. Was that when it was uh, ninety six? And I believe how much was it to buy an MLS franchise? Was it like twenty million dollars? I believe to purchase an MLS franchise. I don't know what the number is right now, um, but that just goes to show. I mean, it's I'm sure it's probably over two hundred and fifty, three hundred million dollars to acquire uh, an MLS team. So. Um, that just goes to show the growth, um, of the sport. Right. And I think that's, you know, that's what I wanted to get out of that is just to, just, you know, say how, how big soccer is within, 
the, the, the United States right now and within North America. And uh, we are able to compete with anyone and everyone now. And I think that's the beauty of it. And that's the, the beauty of growing our youth. And uh, you know, I think that's the most important thing in life is, you know, uh, in the life that we live, how can we, how can we kind of help that next generation that's following in our footsteps? Um, because they're the ones that have to do the same thing once we're, once we're gone. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm a huge, huge believer in that. And, um, you know, that's, that's, uh, you know, that I think that's what these, what these celebrities are thinking, right? How can they continuously grow a game that is, uh, the most popular game in the whole entire world? Yeah, I think it's great for the league. It's great for the, uh, the overall ecosystem of everything. It, it, and it's still got so much growth, you know, there's so, I mean, you all know, but, um, you know, it's just so big when you look at these transfer fees and transfer values of, of, of players out there. Right. And, and the U S market is untapped. And that's why you see like all these foreign clubs trying to come over here and create relationships and have like soccer camps in the summer and all these things, because they know it's untapped and they know that it's, it will explode eventually. And they all want a piece of it. With these investors, how do you think it's going to impact the culture of the game? Is it going to eventually lead to promotion relegation as more money comes in, more opportunities that way? What are your thoughts there? It'll be interesting to see where the league goes. I, I don't know if we'll ever get to promotion relegation in, in my lifetime, um, just because you know these owners that are now paying 400, 500, 600 million to enter the league are not going to want to then possibly a year later be playing in a second division. Uh, so, you know, I don't, as much as I'd love to see it, I don't think we will, at least at MLS level. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what they do with the relationship with the Mexican league. Um, you know, they could create a pro rel with them and it's not so much like a first division, second division, but it's kind of just like an A and a B or an A and an A minus type thing. I don't know what they want to do, but they're obviously trying to create relationship with uh, Liga MX through this uh, League's Cup tournament they've got in the middle of this MLS season, right? They know how many eyeballs are watching the Mexican League, uh, even from the U.S. And so it'll be interesting to see how that partnership develops. Absolutely. So this, uh, this next segment. It's uh, super fun. It's called excited. is rapid fire. Um, you guys can decide who wants to go first, but we're just going to ask you a couple questions. And the first thing that comes to your mind, we just want you to fire it out. So, <laughs> all right. I'll let the, I'll let the captain go first. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> Favorite city you've played in. Go ahead. I'll go first. Lisbon. <laughs> I was, I, I don't know. I was only focused on MLS. Um, yeah, I love I love Copenhagen, uh, but MLS wise, favorite city to play in Kansas City. I, I really like going to Kansas City. Um, they're just a beautiful stadium, easy easy city to get around. Uh, so Kansas City was up there for me. Okay, okay. Uh, recent Netflix or Hulu binge? Neither of those, but Ted Lasso. Oh my gosh. I was going to, I didn't want to be like, you know, Classic. obvious, but I was like, what are your thoughts and feels? I love Ted Lasso. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't Every know Wednesday, how, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the season though. I, I, I what's his name? Zavo. Zava. Zava. Yeah. Zava. Which is, okay. which is, which is, which is Latin <laughs> pretty much. Totally. It's yeah. totally based on Zlatan. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, that's my go-to right now. Okay. 
Yeah, I agree. Ted Lasso is it's probably one of the best shows on television. Yellow Yellowstone is out there as well. Sure. Yep. Yep. Right. I just I just started uh, shrinking on Apple TV with um, so Jason, Jason. Yeah, I'm on episode four. It's good. I like Harrison Ford. You know, in that element, usually seems so serious. He's kind of like I, agree. I like seeing that side of him. Um, okay, one food you can't live without. I'm gonna go. I would same answer. Pizza. Yep. Ooh. And short behind it for me is sushi. Oh. Uh, I need to know y'all's answer on this. Favorite pizza spot in Atlanta? Wow. There's only um, one answer. There's so many, right? But I actually go every Friday to a place um, off, I believe it's off Terrell Mill, like Vinings area, Smyrna area, Marietta. But um, it's called Pio Bello. P-I-U-B-E-L-O. I highly recommend. It's just straight New York Ooh. Pete's like just just greasy, thin sliced crust is amazing. Um, that's that's my favorite pizza here. Ooh. Yeah, we found a local one up in the suburbs as well called Pizzeria Luca. Um, just like a, it's not a chain. It's just a one yeah. family restaurant. It's fantastic. Public public easy. public se- public seating in Alpharetta Pizzeria Luca also amazing. My middle son's name is is. Uh, is is Anthony Luca? So we would actually we used to go there when I lived in in uh in, or in Marietta side. Okay. So yeah. Okay. And what Great was the correct there. answer? I mean, y'all y'all may call me basic, but Antico. I I, I like uh, the Italian. I mean, I like New York style too, but yeah. Antico I'm, just. I'm going there for my son's birthday in about 15 minutes. Wow. So. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Have it. Have a slice for me. I miss it. I was, I, back, I was back there a couple weeks ago and uh, didn't get a chance to get over there, but. Yeah, I'm gonna have to try y'all's recommendations out. Favorite sport to watch? NFL. I'm gonna go basketball. Do we have teams for either? I'm a Mavs fan. Mm. Okay. All right. And no. <laughs> football is all fantasy football based. So no, no favorite team. <laughs> this this could be uh um go across any sport, but what was your favorite match like you've ever watched? I mean, probably one of the most intense matches that I've ever seen was probably this last final of the World Cup. Um, I mean, what a, I just showed the beautiful, the beautiful game. I mean, even though not being there and, and I mean, kudos to all those people who got to, congrats to all those people who got to experience that live. Um, but just even in my, you know, condo living room with my kids, everyone just going absolutely insane. Um, every goal and every, you know, every, everything that happened within that game was unbelievable. So I'll, I'll stick with that one. I'm going to say, um, I grew up a huge Red Sox fan, huge baseball fan. So I'm going with, um, probably any of the Red Sox games back in the 2000, what year was it? They won the world series. Finally, was big, it 2006 or seven? I should, yeah. Yeah. Big poppy era for sure. Um, when they came back against the Yankees from 3-0 down, that was it for me. Uh, one of my favorite athletes was Kobe Bryant. Um, he And actually, I've learned even more about him since he passed. And what a tremendous uh, athlete and what a mindset, what an absolute warrior um, he was. Holy smokes. Uh, so he's definitely way up there for me. I'm going to go Pele. My mentors who took me to Brazil at the age of 12 were, were best friends with him. So, um, you know, I think just kind of 
learning from from the greats from a very young age was was uh was pretty awesome wow but i'll say between ronaldo and messi i'm team messi i'm also i'm also team messi me as well <laughs> um, me for <laughs> uh favorite quote you live by and bonus points if you have it tattooed somewhere um because that's because literally every guest we've asked which we've had <laughs> there one, you like go, five or six on they're literally like yep and i have it tattooed on me i'm like okay well i guess since you guys said that i have uh my first tattoo is right here um i'm not gonna tell the people who are watching how old i was when i got it yeah. um but it, it's in portuguese and it means si Deus quiser, um and it means uh god willing so that was my very first tattoo and um kind of lived by that it's it's a major phrase everyone says in in portugal or even in brazil and that's where i kind of grew up my my youth life um they'll say we'll, we'll see you tomorrow and they say see those kids god, god willing mm. i'll only see you tomorrow if, if god wants us to see you tomorrow so um you know everything that kind of happened throughout my career it was kind of one of you know it was it was uh, a phrase to live by i have zero tattoos well, fun fact. <laughs> one of the few soccer players out there with zero tattoos so mike should get like a temporary <laughs> tattoo like here's my quote <laughs> <laughs> but no, no specific quote my favorite mentoring quote has to do with confidence though and it's uh confidence isn't lacking fear it's the ability to perform when fear is present and i love that because um it just naturalizes like the nervousness and the having a little bit of fear like it's, it's okay to have that it's normal yeah. right but the confidence is the ability to overcome that yeah oh that's good um what should be Austin's next professional sports team? Gosh, I would say basketball. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm a Texas, I'm born and raised in Dallas, Texas. So, um, I mean, all Dallas teams, I'm a huge fan of. Yeah. I'm like, how um, did they, you know, like the, who is it? Yeah. it has like two sports teams. I'm like, we need, we need another team. Yeah. Yeah, Houston. Houston has some sports teams. San Antonio has some sports teams, right? Yep. Um, but I mean, Liquid Austin soccer, is, it's working. Get a women's team. Yes. Oh, yeah, yes. There you go. Because who did they have Austin. like two years ago? They did something. Women was it U.S. women's? Or was it last year? We've we've hosted the U.S. women's yeah, yeah. national yeah. team, and yeah. we have a huge yeah. crowd behind that, which is amazing. Yeah. I'm with you on yeah. that. I mean, Austin, Austin is a new, is a new cool city, right? Yeah. Back in the day when I was a kid, it wasn't, you know, the coolest city to be in in Texas. It is a new cool city. I feel like so, the, the like OG Austinites would, would beg to differ, but yeah, I mean, yeah. on the outside looking in being a newbie myself. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's trending right now. Yes. I'm, I'm disappointed. I retired before Austin became an MLS team. I guess we'll just have to come on down to Q2 for, for a game one of these days. Um, okay. Last couple questions. Bucket list trip. Australia. I, I was going to say the same exact thing. Yeah. I've also never been to Hawaii. That's on the bucket list. But if I were mm. to choose one, I'm going to Australia first. Yep. Yep. I've, I've been to so many different places in the world and I'm so, I'm sure Mike has as well, but Australia is definitely on the list. For sure. And then favorite book or the most recent book you've read I'll, I'll go first uh favorite book is the alchemist um i tell every single player that i work with to read that i read it once a year uh, as a pro 
Um, and I mean, I, I, I have like notes of like highlights that I, that I wrote down or that I kind of just jotted down, um, like how they resonated with me and how they sat with me. Um, I mean, obviously it's a spiritual book, but at the same time, it's a great book to, to, to read if you're, if you're seeking, seeking something. So Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. I just, the most recent book I've read is Viola Davis's, um, autobiography mm. and she's from Rhode Island. Um, as am I, and, uh, she's, she came up in the most of humble backgrounds, um, incredible, incredible story. Um, so that was, that was really powerful book. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. That, uh, that ends the rapid fire, uh, question. So you're off the hook now, but, uh, appreciate you guys coming on and, and chatting with us. I know our listeners, are going to enjoy this interview and and hearing about your story. As always, uh, please be sure to like, share, and subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. And be sure to follow us on social at TrainATX. Uh, Greg and Mike, let our listeners know where they can follow you. Uh, we are, are at BeyondGoalsMentoring.com, BeyondGoalsMentoring on YouTube, or is it just Beyond Goals on YouTube? I Google Beyond Goals Mentoring. Yeah, that's what I Google. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Beyond Goals Mentoring on Instagram. I believe it's BG Mentoring on Facebook. And uh, I'm not even sure what it is on Twitter. That's one thing that we, uh, us as players, we have no idea how to work. That's why we uh, we have uh, other, you know, people help us within that area. Because like I said, we just kicked the ball for a living for so long. So I was, I, I was waiting on the TikTok handle, you know, oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> haven't got there yet yeah you're like we'll get <laughs> oh, there I one think, of these days <laughs> i think we are on there i'm just not sure what our uh what, what are we i don't know what we, your lane is some, we've got some amazing people helping us uh in that regard because yeah it's not greg and i's forte yeah well yeah. thank you both again seriously i appreciate the time this afternoon and um like nico said just the conversation i know that so many of our viewers and listeners are gonna benefit from this. And, um, hopefully if any of them need some mentors of their own, they now know how to reach you and have a little bit more of insight as to how you guys kind of navigate things. So again, appreciate the time and, um, we'll talk soon. Yeah, thanks again for having us and good luck with uh, what you guys have going there. Thank we'll you. Be Thank you guys. Thank really you so much. It. Awesome. Bye guys.